0: Iyer's on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer.
1: Linda, you know, they say that the best part of the two best parts of travel is leaving and coming
0: home. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, it's we, fun to
1: leave, but it's fun to be back home.
0: It is. And finally, to some warm weather in Utah. Wow, we've been, well, we've been hot, cold, hot, cold where we've been, but. Um it has been really a cold week in Utah. And um we, we snow, got snow we, blizzard.
1: We, it was cold in Moscow in Russia and we thought, Oh, it'll be nice to get back to the springtime and in, in Utah, the mountains of Utah, and we got here and it was three degrees colder than in Moscow. <laughs> yes, it was.
0: It has really been cold and uh, a blizzard too. I mean we've we're up in the Park City area right now and there is a blizzard Every other day here, all winter. Which, yeah, I is, great, now, which is great. Which yeah. is great.
1: I think I think winter is losing its icy grip. I think it is. Anyway, to the point. We wanted to talk today and discuss a little bit with you. The idea of families really needing other families. You know, it's it's sometimes parenting is a lonesome process and, and the tendency of parents is to think, oh man. I'm stuck here in this house with these kids and I've got problems that no one else can understand and I'm on my own and I'm kind of isolated and I don't know what to do. And so a lot of our work over the years has had to do with getting families in touch with other families because there's something about sharing the conundrums of parenting and the concerns and so on and realizing that you're not the only one facing these things. It's a kind of a form of commiseration, I guess. And it really helps people. actually that's what joy school has been over all these many years, this program where, you know, uh, moms, sometimes dads, but mostly moms get together and form a group a parents group, a mom's group, and they become the rotating teacher in this preschool program called joy school. But the interesting thing, and the reason I bring it up, Linda, is that you know, it was developed to help children learn joy, but it has become this great thing for, for moms to get together and families helping families, being involved with the the children of your best friends.
0: Yeah, it really has been a fun thing through the years. We just developed a An updated version last year and we have found so many moms who are doing a great job in fact uh, we just came from New York City where um, one of our daughters-in-law is doing a group there are two groups right there because um, it's just it's kind of easy to get together I mean they are in the same neighborhood and they walk their kids to joy school and we have had people in New York who've taken two or three buses to get to friends but there's a big um, group of really terrific parents on the Upper West Side in New York City right now, and they do a great job with their kids and with friends, being in touch with each other as, as friends. It's really pretty fun to watch. So the title of today's
1: Hires on the Road is Families Helping Families, and we'll, we'll get back to joy schools and other ways that families can integrate their parenting. But we wanted to start off with a little different meaning of the term families, helping families. Um, One of the things that, that a lot of people, more people now are doing, I think than ever before, it's almost like a little growth industry in a strange sort of way. And that is taking children, going as a family to a third world location and doing some humanitarian work, trying to, be a part of the solution for those who are very, very poor among the poorest in the world and and helping to build a clinic or to build a school or to build an irrigation system or to figure out a way to help the poorest of the poor have at least a subsistence form of life and not be in the kind of abject poverty that actually destroys the chance of having a good family, um,
0: you know, and you don't have to go. <clears throat> have to go. We've done mostly in third world, in uh, Bolivia and in uh, Africa and India, and some in Mexico in the um, deprived parts there. But but you don't have to go very far to find people mm-hmm. like that. I mean, there are families in the in Appalachia who are as desperate as the ones in Africa, and so it really will be fun to see um what we can talk to you about today to convince you that it is so amazing to get involved of course refugees refugees are great and for families helping these refugees we also have a daughter who um is living in ogden utah which she loves she has five kids uh, her husband is the bishop uh, in the area, and they find things to do two blocks away that you can't believe.
1: Homeless shelters and feeding the, the, the homeless and well, soup just kitchens people are or needy or just, and just individual people who are needy. But the point is that the beginning for this discussion really is that so many of the parents that we speak to and interact with around the world, it's really a universal thing are mostly concerned, their biggest concern is the entitlement attitudes of their, of their kids, kids who sort of grow up in privilege and think that the world owes them a living and that they deserve to have everything their friends have and they should have it right now without having to wait for it or without having to work for it. And we're asked constantly by parents, how do we break that attitude down? How do we re- renew in our children? appreciation and gratitude for what they have and and the incentive to you know help other people and there is no quick fix obviously but but the closest thing to a quick fix I would say Linda is you know take the kids into a setting where they're so far out of their comfort zone and and that's almost a double meaning they're out of their comfort zone they're also away from their comforts they don't have their screens and their smartphones and they don't even have electricity if they're in some of these third world locations. Now, many of you are way ahead of us in this, you know this, but when I said a growth industry, what I meant is there's more and more humanitarian groups now who actually specialize in taking a first world family, a reasonably, um, I mean, comparatively we're all wealthy compared to these third world locations. And to put together what is usually called an expedition, where you'll go to a particular village. And like Linda said, I mean, some are very close, Mexico and so on, and and even parts of this country. But a place where there's a project already set up, so you don't go in and aimlessly try to help people. You go in, and in a week's time, you, you build a school, or you build a clinic, or you create an irrigation system or you build a cistern to catch rainwater or whatever. And the best of these programs always involves the village people and you work side to side. Your kids work side to side with kids from these villages and work on this project. And of course the reason should be to help people who need help, but but at least as important a reason and honestly sometimes The real motivating reason is you want to help your own kids to get out of this entitlement mentality and to see how so much of the world lives so that they regain their gratitude and their perspective.
0: Well, I think we've done this several times with our kids and now our grandkids are starting to go. Um, I think the the people that are really helped is us. I mean, yeah, that's what we're helped a lot more than uh, any help we give. But, you know, of course, it's it's fun and it's great for the kids to see uh, another side of the world and, and make friends. The fun thing is, you know, they didn't necessarily speak the same language of the people where we were. But language was not a barrier. No, they, were they never did. Yeah, they're
1: they're yeah. always with kids who they, they, they can't communicate in words. But it is amazing how fast kids make friends with people that they have nothing, at least nothing obvious in, in common with. And um, the bottom line is when, when, when children have this opportunity to go and really give meaningful help to a, to a group of people who desperately need help, your kids come back changed. Now, is it a permanent change? I don't know. Maybe they slip back into the entitlement mentality, but they at least glimpse how different so much of the world lives and and they gain such a perspective. So, and I love the family to family part of it, Linda. I mean, it's nice to help people in any way as an individual or in any setting, but to go as a family and to help other families, there's something magical about that. It's like a microcosm of, you've heard of the city, the sister cities thing, where a, a a city in the states partners with a city somewhere in the third world, but this is this is even more direct. This is a family helping other families, and there's something great about
0: that. Well, uh, we have a daughter who lives in Arizona, and they have. There's a wonderful group that goes down there every Christmas time, and I should have. They just go we right across the border. They the, just put food in their vans and <laughs> they drive across the border and they go to a place where there is a project ongoing. Like you said, they're building a house for somebody.
1: It's like a habitat for humanity.
0: Right. Thing. And everybody works. They, t- they take kids down to seven or eight, I think, because there are things, little things that they can do. And make friends with those kids is as important as the work sometimes. But there are so many families pitching in there. And then they get to see the house that the people did last year because you can't, let's face it, you can't in a few days build a whole house. But they have an ongoing project there. So the ones that um, finished a house last year present it to a family, and they get to see the ceremony. And it's so amazing what happens not only with um, between the and needy families and the families that have come to help, but also um, between the families that are there. I mean, right, it bonds right, them forever. Because you're working
1: together with them. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly right. And we'll we'll give you a couple of ideas on where to look for this type of opportunity. But I, I wanted to say, just to be personal about it for a minute, we, we got started on this one Christmas. A lot of these expeditions actually happen during the Christmas holidays. And we were so tired of another commercial Christmas. What am I going to get? What's Santa going to bring me? Which really feeds this entitlement attitude in a lot of ways. We gave the kids a choice. Do you want to have another traditional Christmas or do you want to go to Bolivia, live in a village for a couple of weeks and help people get a water system that'll bring water, a little pipeline, a PVC pipeline that'll bring water to their village. Because right now, the mothers have to go get the water and carry it on their heads from the river back to the village. And and our kids were, you know, gluttons for adventure, so they all chose to go. Well, well I have to our say... It eyes in so many ways.
0: It was not easy for the 10-year-old. I said, you know, you can stay with Grandma if you want to. You don't have to go, but there's no Christmas presents. Um, our We're taking our Christmas to these families. And so she had to think about it for a few days, and finally she came up and said... Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to do this.
1: The problem with that first expedition, Linda, is that it was at 13,000 feet.
0: Yeah, it (laughs) was. On the
1: altiplano of of Bolivia. And uh, I've never had such a hard time breathing in my my life. Oh, my
0: goodness. We couldn't (laughs) breathe. The villagers met us. They had a little table on their heads and and confetti, throwing confetti at us and everything. And then they want us to dance to their village. It was about a (laughs) mile in on a dirt road. And I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. I couldn't breathe. And they were just, you know, of course, they were used to the altitude. Those 80-year-old women were running circles around our 18-year-old teenagers.
1: Yeah. So, and and that became, became addictive to us. We ended up doing a similar project, although it involved a school in Kenya in Africa. We in, involved several in Mexico, which are pretty close and much less expensive. Our daughter's just getting ready to take her kids to a project in uh, Guatemala. And so the main thing is that uh, well, you can do this. You can do this. And, and, and here's the bottom line before we go to break. It's not expensive. I mean, people say, oh, how could you ever go there? Well, it's, it's relatively. I mean, it, it, we, we figured it cost less to do this Bolivia and the Africa trip than it did to go to Disneyland. Because once you get it, all you have to get is a flight. And once you're
0: there, there's no cost. You're living well, you because have, you're sleeping on the floor of honey, no, you don't. you a, have to be realistic. Hut. We did help <laughs> with the cost of building a cistern or whatever it is that you're doing in the village, which is great. And we had kids raising money to help with school desks. Uh, they went around and painted numbers on curbs all over Salt Lake to raise money. So that they bought yeah, the lumber. Yeah, if the kids
1: help raise the so. money, it means even more to them. Let's go to a brief break and, and we'll tell a little more about how to get in touch with some of these if this is an interesting idea to your family. But we'll also shift to another meaning of families helping families and talk a little more about Joy School and getting together with other families to enhance your own parenting. So right back after this break.
0: And hi, we're back with Ayers on the Road. We've been talking about families helping families today, which is so important, but also fun.
1: So and so beneficial for your own family. Um, so just to wind up the part about these, these humanitarian expeditions, if you Google humanitarian expeditions, you'll get a quite a list of, of companies. They're all nonprofit companies, of course, who orchestrate this kind of thing our favorite is called choice humanitarian like make a choice choice and it's run by friends of ours we were on the board for many years and they do projects in Nepal and in Guatemala and in Mexico and several other Third world locations and you can look at that one and maybe you may find others that are closer to your home or whatever if you if you google it
0: and you all, we also have to mention uh, Rising star uh, Outreach.org uh, It is an amazing program uh, they have a little bit of trouble with the government letting volunteers in off and on, but I think they're on right now. This but is southern India. This is southern India uh, working with leprosy-affected families. The, leprosy is not contagious, but the problem is that they will not let these um, children go to school. If anybody in their family has ever had leprosy, parents, grandparents, well, they become untouchable
1: They become, untouchables. They become they the become untouchables. and members of the lowest.
0: So we have a wonderful friend who went in and saw that and said, nope, we're not doing this. We are going to allow these kids an education. And to make a really long story beautiful, they have now a beautiful school there um, from, I think, k to through high school. And they're doing amazing things. Several of our family have been there, helped with computers in the school, and, is, is, and done service projects there um, it's just been a fabulous experience. So anyway,
1: that's just one take on the idea of family helping families. And and think about that. There are some very inexpensive ones that are very close. And they're, of course, further away you are, the more they cost to get there. Oh, but,
0: oh and there are some that don't cost anything at all because they're right in your right. own town. And that is helping refugees which we are about to start on. We have done that in the past also with our kids and really enjoyed that. But the refugee situation right now is so crucial.
1: And it teaches kids a lot of the same things. I mean, it's one thing to go into their country and try to help in a poor area, but very similar in some ways to help people who've come out of those poor areas and are refugees here now. So consider that not only as a way to help others but as a way to help your own kids to get over the entitlement attitudes now another meaning for the idea of families helping families is what we alluded to in the first half of the show and that is that the more families get together especially as their neighbors and and sometimes relatives and and kids you know that the interesting thing is linda I don't particularly like the phrase because it's a little bit trite, but it takes a village to raise a child. One, One really good meaning of that is you never do all your parenting alone. You need the support of a church. You need the support of a neighborhood. You need other parents who take an interest in your children. Sometimes you can teach a child who's not your own child a little easier than you can your own child. I mean, there's always problems. There's always, uh, there's a lot of baggage between a parent and a child. And sometimes a neighbor can come in and teach something to a child that the parent can't. And, and when you start organizing that kind of mentality by having a joy school group or by having a neighboring parenting group or by having a mother's group or a dad's group that gets together and talks about things, um, that's a fabulous thing. One of the things we do You know, a lot of you listeners know we give a lot of speeches to parents, but what you may not know is we also sometimes do smaller things called forums where we're just together with with a group of friends and we talk about their relationships with their children and with each other's children in the group. And it's a powerful thing. I mean, the more we can share and sort of um, there's a synergy when you talk about parenting with other parents that you trust and of course in Joy school it becomes very powerful because when you're not te- this is a rotating teaching thing and when you're not teaching Joy school one of your best friends is the teacher and so the people who are responsible for your children are also your own best friends and you get feedback and you become a more involved and informed parent
0: well this is such an interesting story because wow we started this um, <clears throat> maybe 38 years ago
1: well, yeah, we always joy school's been going now um, for nearly 40 years and
0: when we started it was so hard it was like pulling teeth we got this idea and it kind of felt like it came from heaven just I'd get people together and have them talk about their their children should enjoy life and not be pressured to learn square roots when they're three or whatever. It was
1: almost a backlash against early
0: pushy academics. And um, it really was pretty amazing. We sat on the phone and just begged people to come. For preschool to parents. For preschool parents. Yeah. To come to meetings to talk about this, to figure out how they could make it work. And it just felt like, Oh, man, it was so hard. Well, it was
1: a new idea. People people sort of thought, well, my options are to keep my kids at home or to send them to a commercial preschool. And we were saying, no, there's a third option. There's a middle option where you stay in charge, but you rotate as the teacher. So maybe if you're meeting two or three times a week, you, you only are the teacher every third or fourth week if you've got four or five other mothers who take their turn. And the idea was a curriculum that didn't teach academics. It taught the joy of sharing, the joy of setting a goal, the joy of of um, being a, a leader among your peers, the joy of
0: trying new things, the joy, the joy of joy your body, of the, earth. the
1: joy of the earth. Uh, just all these little simple joys that we found. Preschoolers just loved, and and it grew into this organization of families working with their neighborhood families.
0: Well, I think um, there are probably people listening. Whenever we give speeches, no matter where we are, across the U.S. and there's some in Europe too, but mostly in the U.S. Wherever we are, if as soon as we mention Joy School, <laughs> eyes light up, and you know, moms are raising their hands. Dads did it sometimes too, and it's pretty amazing how that just went like wildfire. We did not advertise at all; it just went by word of mouth, and we had, we have had maybe two hundred thousand families. Yeah, we doing figure this.
1: maybe a quarter of a million families yeah, now, by have, now done, have done Joy School, and of course, one of the <laughs> early attractions of it. I mean, it's funny how things evolve, Linda, because one of the early attractions of it was that it was cheap, and it still is. I mean, commercial preschools are terribly expensive. And moms would say, "Well, gee, I can, I can, if I'm one of the teachers, and if it's like a do-it-yourself Joy School, and we get the curriculum from uh, the Irs or from the Joy School organization, we can do this for like a twentieth of the cost of uh, a commercial preschool." So that was part of the initial growth. But my point is that that turned out to be maybe the smallest part. What turned out to be the biggest part. Is connecting families with each other.
0: Well, those women that I did joy school with through all those years are still my best friends. Still, it your really, name. is we have yeah. such fun memories of those those days together. And some of them we didn't know when we started. There were uh, they we were in Washington D.C. and they were just neighbors. We didn't know them very well, and now we just. Love those uh, those memories and those experiences because it was families together with families
1: and as you might guess I mean if you're wondering uh, where we're gonna run out of time, but it we've got four more minutes Linda But if if you want to learn more about joy Schools, as you might guess it's joy schools joy schools with an s dot com joy schools com. and by the way That was a great breakthrough for joy schools when when computers became available to all parents. I mean, (laughs) imagine this 40 years ago before computers. Number one, the moms had to call each other on their landline telephones. Number two, the materials, the lesson plans and the cassette tapes, remember those little things? (laughs) People had to get them in the mail and order them, and so there was a cost involved with that. And now, of course, everything's online, and all the music. There's some wonderful music that goes with Joy School. Which we didn't
0: do. People People came out of the woodwork to help us
1: with that. But now it's all online, and it's so easy, and so Joy School's bigger than ever before. And but again, back to the theme: what a great thing to share parenting, especially early parenting, especially the parenting preschools, which is where. Most parents are the most insecure and wonder if they know what they're doing and feel the most isolated. What a joy to share that with other moms or other dads in your own neighborhood.
0: And, you know, uh, we'll have the, uh, the sites listed on BYU Radio Uh, Where you can go to do these humanitarian things and also the joy schools and information But I do have to say before we quit that it's important to just do one-on-one also with you you moms out there It's really fun to have a little mother's group and we've had a mother's group that's met for 40 years now and it's just four of us But we have so much fun talking about parenting just parenting in general and our lives in general And uh, book clubs are so great to get together. And in fact, we have sons now that have organized book clubs.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, don't leave out the dads because dads are more involved in parenting than ever before. And we're seeing little dads groups where they'll get together and say, "How, how do you do this? What problems do you have? How do you do your parenting? And again, it's this wonderful synergy of sharing your concerns and your ideas and your solutions with other dads or other moms, and I'm, I'm not suggesting it has to be just moms together and just dads together, uh, parent groups. No, because we know.
0: also have a study group that is so much fun. Um, this is for grandparents now. This <laughs> is This is grandparents, but it really has evolved into Boy, something we that share. we look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> it is really fun. Oh,
1: you've got that problem with your grandkid? Wow, I didn't know anyone else was worried about that.
0: <laughs> well, and not only grandkids, but, you know,
1: empty nest parenting, Emptiness parenting
0: yeah. and scripture based things we just met with a fun group last sunday dear friends talking about adam and eve i mean you know it, it really is just so great to connect with parents with other people who are kind of your age going through the same thing to lift each other up and be inspired by others because it's just a lonely job. So a, th- a song comes to mind, Linda. No man is an island. Oh, no, don't sing. Don't sing. <laughs> well, I
1: was just thinking it applies to families. No family is an island. We're, we're not isolated. We have other parents, other families around us, and the more we connect to them, the easier, not the easier our job becomes, but the more... Natural and the more more synergistic, we get help from others and we share the load of parenting, which is a pretty wonderful thing.
0: So we just wish you the very best as we close off another uh, week of Irs on the Road. Find some friends, find some other families, have some fun with them, and make some memories.
1: We'll see you next time on Irs on the Road.